This is Mayday. Stories on culture, society, technology, and unpredictable realities. You're listening to an original short from the Mayday series, Fiction for the Future. Welcome. Welcome. She throws the spear. It hits the water with a screech, and white steam gushes out. The spear pierces the fish and shatters into atoms. On the surface of the water, the speared fish is floating, belly up. The river flows sluggishly. The noon sun beats down. Her suit of purified carbon covers her entire body in a hard, breathable shell, which absorbs the heat and keeps her cool and invigorated. She picks up the fish and ties it to her waist along with the other catches. She takes the small pouch from her belt and uses two fingers to sprinkle a bit of powder into the air in front of her. The powder crackles, bounces, and jumps back together in a flash to form a new spear. She continues her walk along the river, the biosensors in her eyes scanning the contents of the water. After walking for another quarter of a sun, her belt is full. The heavy river fish weigh her down. Greasy and glistening, they dangle from her belt. Her stomach is rumbling. She shakes it off. She can only eat once food has been handed out to everybody. On her way back to the dwelling, she must find and gather red material. She stands up, takes a deep breath, then her sensors scan the area out to a range of one kilometer and plot a direction, walking towards the setting sun. It is a calm day and the forest is quiet. She listens and hears nothing but distant bird cries and the angry buzz of insects. They would eat her skin if they could. The spotted root bushes are growing in a hollow where it is cooler and more moist. She kneels and digs out the roots from one of the plants. She cuts off the bushy part and red sap trickles out. Quickly, she rubs powder into the wound to close it. Back at the dwelling, dusk has fallen. She is standing by the tall wicker fence that keeps all non-symbiotic life forms out of their biota. She places both hands on the phytolith surface and it lowers her energy. The plant recognizes her and lets her through. Once she is back on the other side of the fence, her suit clings softly and smoothly around her body. She walks up to the nearest silicon-coated tree and puts the fish in the small tubs that have grown around the foot of the tree. The fish are sucked into a jelly inside the tubs 
and she receives a signal that confirms the transaction. Her stomach is rumbling again. She must return to the nest to eat now. On her way home, she sees a group of spinners. Three people are holding long threads in their hands. Each thread is tied around a tree, and the spinners are holding them tight in the air. Then they move slowly in between each other, and the threads are plaited together tightly and neatly. She enjoys watching their movements. Their suits made of purified carbon absorb the darkness, making them look like shadows surrounded by dancing, silvery threads. Those are the threads that are used to keep the top of her tree against the ground. Her nest is one of five that are arranged around the large trunk. Each of them is shaped by a tree whose top is bent to the ground. They look like small hills surrounding the foot of the center tree. The tree in the middle grows straight up towards the sky. Belts of nests and cocoons hang from the stem. She sees some of the gatherers descend from the web-weaving caterpillars in the treetop. Quivering energy from the other returnees surrounds the entire tree. Their tired eagerness makes her relax. Before entering her tree nest, she looks down into her lake. The fish have gathered in expectation. She throws a handful of bregna roots into the water. They sputter and eject their red sap in every direction. The fish eagerly lunge at the roots and suck up the sap. Below the fish, a layer of diatoms oozes. She enters the nest and hangs up the rest of the bregna roots to dry. They immediately release a sour smell that fills the room. The outer wall of her nest is made of pleated willow, covered by a skin of proteins from dragonfly wings and oobleck, making the nest both porous and tough. Her loved one comes home. She can tell that he has been working in the fields. He smells of nitrogen, zinc and sweat. He has spent the past wave of time in the fields of the forest to cultivate the black soil. They prepare the soil with silicon, wood, bone fragments and blood powder. From behind him, their two foster children come running towards her. They are sitting on the ground, eating together as darkness slowly falls. The skin of the tree nest is dimly lit by the day's absorption of sunshine. Afterwards, they feed their leftovers to the fish, and she hands the children enough powder so that they can dissolve the cutlery before she puts the pouch aside for replenishment. Then they step out of their nest. It is dark now, and they can see the glow from caterpillars in the treetops. Their new threads are swaying gently in the wind. Distant singing is heard. They are sitting with the others from the tree. It is a light but melancholic song. At first, they mourn those that were lost to the ice and the waters, those of the past. One family is singing the story of one of their loved ones. They are crying and listening. The song brightens up. They join in and sing about the forest, about the fields and the animals, about the insects, 
and about the life they are going to live. They sing of hope, and the song rises and spreads to the forest. It goes on and on. The children fall asleep during it all, and they carry them into their cocoon. Then they too lie down and let themselves be covered by a soft flow of active charcoal for the night. You just listened to an original short from the Mayday series Fiction for the Future. Find more in Mayday Magazine or on Mayday.co.